It's your weekly blitz with Chris, keeping you in the game. Hey, good morning, everyone. Coach Chris Cotton from AutoFix Auto Shop Coaching here. I'm your auto repair shop coach. My goal is to help you, the independent auto repair shop owner, make your dreams come true. We do that by opening your mind to things you didn't know you didn't know and by getting you out from under your business and putting you in charge of your future and your family's future. My goal is always for you to stop having a hobby and start having a business you're proud of and can take time away from. First and foremost, I want to thank AutoLeap. Without their continued support, this podcast would not be available free to you. If you're in the market for a great shop management system, please see the show notes for a demo link. As you get into today's episode, you may know someone in your network who could benefit from the topic. So please take time to share personally or through your social network. During today's episode, we're going to be talking to the one and only Carm Capriato about how I got started podcasting, what's changed since then. I also make him answer my burning questions. What was a superhero growing up with a surprise answer, where he grew up, and what his dream job was growing up, and so much more. So please welcome you to episode 100, It's All Carm's Fault. As always, if you have an idea for a show topic or want to talk, Feel free to get with me, Chris, at autofixsos.com. Uh, you're blaming me for all of this. I can't believe it. It's all Carm's fault. Is that going to be the title of your episode? Yeah, that's the title of the episode. It's all Carm's fault. <laughs> and, that, and that's the way we're going to leave it. I'm not real sure how you got the idea, but this started, whatever, 100 episodes, 52 weeks, over two years ago. And you're like, hey, Chris, I've got this great idea for you. And look at us now. Right. Yeah. You know what? I do remember a little bit of the origins of that. We had some really cool, neat new software where we can actually send a podcast via email out to only your clients and or certain subscribers. And I did it first with uh, the late Bob Greenwood. And uh, it was unbelievable that we were ready to really launch Bob. I think we, I can't remember. We may have recorded 20 some episodes and then he passed. And while that whole thing was going on, uh, my relationship with you was really blossoming. And it wasn't because Bob passed and we didn't do this. Is I thought it would be really cool to have two coaches on the network. And then you and I were just chatting about stuff. And I think we were about ready to do that email thing, weren't we? Yeah. And I still remember... Kimberly and I were at a college football game when I got the message. I think I got an email or something saying that Bob had passed. And I just remember standing on a street corner with 30,000 people around me and just being heartbroken. But it was just something else. Yeah, we so we tried the email and we were sending that out to everybody on my email list. But it really, it wasn't gaining traction because people wouldn't I guess, get in and listen to it. I'm not really sure. We tried several different things. I'm not sure what it was, but... Well, it didn't take hold because I think people were used to listening to podcasts on their players, you know, while they're mobile. And it, listen, it would have done the same thing. Open the email, press the button, boom, and it plays. But I, I just think it was a paradigm shift for people to want to listen to the podcast where they where podcasts gather. And typically podcasts do not gather in email. Yeah, and I'm still shocked and awed over the fact that people actually care about what I have to say and and actually listen to it. I look at the numbers every week and I get comments from great listeners all the time like, hey, this episode moved me. I got one this morning. Um, that's why I do what I do. That's why I coach. That's why I do the podcast. Chris, you have this incredible ability to be able to share intimate, personal transparent moments like no one else I know, except for Matt Fonslow, who's also on the network. And 
you have, I think, brought a level of emotion. You've made it okay to wear it on your sleeve, to tell people how you truly feel, to potentially, God help this, cry when a story is so meaningful and so emotional. And I think so much of what we've been doing on the network and that I've been doing for seven and a half, almost eight years now in advancing the aftermarket has to do with these genuine emotional stories that you're so good at telling. I've always been about building the relationship. I've been in the auto repair industry for over 30 years now. I started out as a service advisor. And I really tried to make a connection and build a relationship with clients back then. And it's translated into the coaching side of the business too. I'm all about the relationship with the with the customer, with the client, and trying to put what's what's in their best interest to the forefront. I had a client reach me five, six months ago, and I did my discovery call. We're looking and talking and Uh, In the end, I'm like, hey, you don't need me. You need to hire a specific type of coach to help you. And then he said, he's like, he said, that's amazing. He says, I've talked to five other coaching companies and they were all telling me how they could help me and how they could do this, that, and the other. And I really appreciate that. And and I've checked in with him and he's doing really, really well um, with the person I recommended since then. And And two, to bring it back to the podcast, I just get on here and talk. I don't know, you know, sometimes it's long, sometimes it's short, but however I'm feeling in the moment, that's what you get. Chris, have you found that some of your, I'm taking over the interview now. See, I'm the interviewer. No, that's fine. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> You're supposed to be interviewing me. Have you found that some of your clients in in the methodology that you have, your true, you know, character, caring, emotional Chris do you find that some of the clients have said, thank you for changing me and opening my eyes? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's amazing to see where we've gone, you know, just sales-wise and personal growth-wise and the family. You know, I, my, my daughter's in college. I've got other clients that their daughters are, are now in college. And so we have this deep bond and we've, we've both grown, you know, every time I learn you know, stuff from my clients just as much as they learn from me, I think on a different level. I don't know if this is good or bad, but I've got some clients who's like, hey, Chris, you know, I've learned a lot from you. I've been with you from, for three years now. I think I'm good. You've really, really taught me well, but our relationship and our bond has been so strong that it hurts for me to let you go. And, you know, I tell people in the beginning, I go, it's fine. Like whenever you've learned as much as you can learn and you think you can do it on your own, then tell me it's it's time. But people have a hard time making that break because the relationship and the bond so strong. So typically, Chris, clients don't stay with you forever. I mean, they don't stay with any coach forever or do they? I actually had a client that's the longest client I've ever had stayed with me for about seven and a half years. But uh, at the end of every year, I go back and look and see what the average client stay is and, and spend is and things like that. And so typically, and so I don't have any contracts, so people aren't obligated to stay with me this long at all. But on average, clients spend almost four years with me. It kind of makes sense. I mean, the, the whole reason that you go to a coach, accountability partner, you don't know what uh, that you don't know certain things. You're there to teach them everything that they should have learned on day one. <laughs> from the school of hard knocks, there comes a point where they, it's almost like they either have to find a different coach, different perspective. Okay. Uh, you know, like changing the paint in a room every once in a while, you want to move the furniture around. Right. But also to try the things on their very own that uh, they've been learning. And one of the things that I think is fascinating about our industry is through your teaching and your sharing and all the stuff out there. And I will say, if there's anybody that's listening that hasn't 
gone to um, Remarkable Results Radio and just typed in a topic in the search bar and found 40 things that can help them out in there. Um, They need to go do that for sure. But it seems like now more than ever that the industry has had people that have been in coaching for a while and they've, they've reached as much growth as they can where they're at. And now they're calling, checking with other and being like, hey, I've been with so-and-so for so long and they've done really, really well, but I'm ready to try something new and go on. And I think that's great with the industry. You know, we all teach things differently. We all do things a little bit differently. Uh, I just, I'm just fascinated. And I'm fascinated with the amount of people in our industry now that are learning and asking for help like they never have before. It's still not enough, but it's more now than it's ever been. I am having more fun than I ever did when I originally birthed this idea back in um, 2014, maybe 2014. Yeah. 2015. I'm losing track of time. (laughs) Seven years ago though. Yeah. Yeah, It'll be eight in March. And when I look back to the passion and the idea to start by sharing, reading articles that shop owners have written in the magazines and pick up the phone and says, Hey, I've got this great idea. Would you love to tell your story of your incredible, remarkable results? And, And I never had a name of the podcast until I was actually speaking that because I'm so impressed with the things that you've been doing. Would you come on and share it? And no one ever said no to to me. And so I said, wow, this is really kind of cool. And then as we were doing this more, we added more podcasts and then of course, Town Hall Academy and all the great sponsors came by so that we could make this podcast free for people so that I could actually eat. We started to think about advancing the aftermarket, which is exactly what it is that you do. And everyone in the aftermarket radio network, which is what every coach does, what every trainer does, is we're doing things to make this industry so vibrant, so rich, if you will, through great people, great pay, margins that allow the business to sustain itself. And there's never been so much learning to lead kinds of episodes and articles and podcasts. And the industry is saying, I got to join a networking group. I got to get into 20 group. I got to find, I got to talk to our local shop owners. We've got to go to the local business development group meeting. And I think there are more people today. In fact, we should do an episode, Chris, on do you you regret that you didn't do this 10 years earlier? And you probably hear that a lot when you get the phone call to somebody, they're, they're six months into coaching and they say, damn, Chris, Woulda, coulda, shoulda, where could I be right now had I hired you or gone to seminars and gone to classrooms and stopped being so stubborn and stopped treating this thing like a hobby? In fact, I think you talked about that recently, didn't you? I have a pretty extensive emailing list at this point in my career and everything, but I have people all the time that contacted me like two years ago. And depending on what stage of growth they're in, I will always stop and take a phone call or do a Zoom with anybody. I have a day set aside for that. People can go on my schedule and schedule it. And I'll learn about their business. And I'm like, hey, if I were you, here's the six things I would do. I think you're a little small for me right now, or you're not quite ready for me, but do those six things and call me back. And they'll call me back six months or a year later, or they were ready to go and they just quite didn't quite go over the hurdle. Like they were big enough. They cash flow was there. They could have paid for a coach. And then for whatever the reason they didn't, and they come back a year later and hire me. And usually it's like, Chris, I should have started a year ago. And being the accountability 
Yoda that I am, I, I use that stick every once in a while and be like, hey, if we'd have done this a year ago, we'd have already been here. Or you get a year into it and be like, hey, we'd already be in year two if we'd have, if we'd have started a year ago. So I, I definitely put that on the wall and use it to my advantage sometimes because I, I keep really, really good notes. I love it. The accountability Yoda. Did, where, where'd you come up with that? That is cool. I don't know. Honestly, I think I just made that. But I had a coach and my coach, I always considered him Yoda because he was kind of the mind bender, right? Like whenever I was in the wrong frame of mind or wasn't thinking about things properly, he would come in and Yoda me. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I've never, you know, it's like angel singing and everything else. I've never heard of that put that way before. And, you know, I've got over 20,000 hours of phone call and Zoom coaching at this point. So I think I'm kind of at the Yoda level now, I will say. Yeah, Master Yoda. Yeah. How cool is that? AutoLeap is a cloud-based, all-in-one auto repair software that helps to keep complete track of your business, from scheduling appointments to managing technicians to generating invoices. Supercharge your growth with AutoLeap. Customers that fully adopt AutoLeap see the following benefits in their first year. 30% revenue growth, with top customers seeing over 100% growth, 75% decrease in no-shows, allowing you to service more customers, three times increase in positive Google reviews, leading to stronger online presence, 50% time saved on administrative tasks, driving increase in operational efficiency. Do it all with AutoLeap. Key features and functions include estimates, invoices, scheduling, Google reviews, inspections, communication, QuickBooks, reporting. Get in touch with AutoLeap to see how you can transform your auto repair shop. For a limited time, if you schedule a demo, sign up with AutoLeap and they will waive the $250 implementation fee. The future, Chris, uh, for your podcast, you've got, I love what you've done with the Maxwell book and, you know, you're covering the chapters. So well done. So many great leadership lessons there. And then every once in a while you, you veer off and do some things that you you know, that you see in your world. I love to listen to your shows. In fact, I do listen to each and every one of your shows. Uh, Tracy uh, produces your show. I was going to say you kind of have to because you edit it. Used to in the old days, but now. (laughs) In the old days, I used to be the editor. You're right. But uh, Tracy stepped to the plate and says, Dad, let me take Chris's episode off your shoulders so you can work on some other things. And it was was so kind of her to do that. But uh, I will never not, never not, listen to to every show that we produce. In fact, every one that I do, Chris, uh, with, with anyone, I go back and I, I make sure I re-listen so that I can learn again about the things. You know, when you're in the studio and you're, you're, you're following a format and you're so intimate with the person that you're on the air with, you be it one person, two, three, or four, whatever it is, you're really worried about like eight, nine different things. But the content, I go back and I listen to, wow, did we really produce something good enough for the audience to listen to learn just one thing and then do something with it? If you don't implement the things that you learn, you're just, you're an observer, you're not a participant. And so, yeah, I listen to every single thing we produce. I don't know how you, I mean, you must put your earphones on and listen while you're sleeping at night because I don't know how you do that or or where you find time, I guess in the shower and on the treadmill and wherever. Yeah, the shower, the treadmill, in the car to appointments. Yes. Hopefully you have that hot water on demand, right? <laughs> in the shower so you don't run out. She has asked me how come the... Uh the gas bill so high. Right. So I think about that first episode and from where we are from that first episode till now is just amazing. Would you go back and listen to your first episode? 
I tell you what, Carmen, I'll promise you and Tracy and everybody else, I'll go back and listen to it, but I'm not going to like it. I can pretty much tell you. I hate listening to my voice after the fact, which I think everybody on the planet does that. But so one thing I wanted to make sure that we talked about is I wanted to give you just a sincere thank you for the format and everything. Um, And of course, our great sponsor too, which will pop in a commercial for them for AutoLeap. And this is just for me, I used to spend money on AdWords, Facebook ads, everything else. The number one lead generator for me at this point is the weekly blitz. And pretty much all of my new clients come from that. But we also spend money on Facebook ads promoting the show. But I and Autofix wouldn't be where we're at right now without the podcast and that suggestion and being able to move it forward. You know, we've gone back to bringing on another coach to help out because I've gotten to the point to where I have to spend, you know, on my time blocking now, I have to spend one full day just producing content, whether it be videos or the weekly blitz or writing notes or doing things like that. And just the growth that we've had, I think I owe to you. So thank you. Thank you for the confidence that we discussed in the in the early days and how we could pull this thing off and what we said we would do, what you said you would do. And it has gone beyond my expectations. Your listenership is great and it continues to grow. And your content is so strong. I mean, literally, it's a Monday morning lesson. It's almost like the weekly blitz should be the weekly inspirational blitz or something because the storylines that you start this week out with are great. And and uh, we're, we're very proud of the work you're doing. I have a board to my right. You can't see it. It's my work board. And when I come up with an idea, I just run over and jot it down because if I don't, I'll forget it. You know how my brain works, Carm. And, you know, we'll always take suggestions from anybody out there. Same thing for a class. I've got I can't believe it. We're already trying to get content for 2024 ready. And and anytime somebody has a suggestion, I'm willing to take it. But just amazing. So when you go back and listen to your first episode, what would you change? Any idea? I was so, you know, we talk about you don't know what you don't know until you know it. That first episode was me. Like I'd like, I probably spent five hours not wanting to do that before I finally just hit the record button and did it. I guess one, not be scared of it. I don't know what it is. I don't know why there is anything to be scared of, but maybe embrace it even more. I think like, just like anything, like if you, if you're learning something for business for the first time, you probably needed it and just implement it, go with it, believe in it. And just do it, I think. I don't know. Fear is an incredible motivator if you let it. Oh, yeah. You're describing me, you know, in, in the first episode that I did. Number one, I had to learn everything about podcasting on top of trying to interview and then find guests because it was an interview show. And for you, just go out and do the content. We'll handle, we'll do all the heavy lifting afterwards. But that fear of of doing, I don't care what it is. If it's, think about shop owners today and their fear of making a termination. Even, even though they may have made a few in the past, the fear of looking to expand and to learn how to do it, the fear of making commitments to uh, the marketplace, to customers, to charities, and no matter if it's good for the heart, there's still a level of fear that goes into any time you get out of your comfort zone. And I think it's something powerful if you let it. It's fear and conflict, right? Like you have them individually and then you have them together. So if you're going to let somebody go, you have the fear of letting them go. And then the conflict of the interaction. I tell people all the time, I go, it's never, whatever it is you're making it out in your mind, it will never be that bad. Like your mind will always 
go to the worst case scenario. This is the reason why we have bogeymen and it's and it's hard to walk outside after dark is because your your brain is thinking about all these things that could happen. Um, if you're like my wife or daughter and listen to Dateline podcasts while you're round and alone, then that even makes it worse. And you've got you've got this bogeyman out there. And I will tell you, Carm, so I used to be the manager of a shop that I bought. I would fire you in a heartbeat as the manager. Didn't bother me at all. But the first time I had to let somebody go as an owner, I lost sleep. I found the guy another job. It was terrible. I was mortified. And I mean, I was shaking going into that thing. And seriously, I called another shop in town and said, hey, I've got this employee. He's not working out. Um, I think he'd be a great fit for you. Can I send him down after I let him go? And then we talked about it. And uh, just how silly that is. But it's, you know, a lot of times... When I talk to shop owners and they let somebody go, just to use this for instance, usually after you let that person go, the person knew at some point you're going to fire them or they're relieved that you're letting them go so they can go do their passion or something else. So I say this in the podcast, it never always gets worse, but sometimes it has to get worse before it can get better. Well, thanks for doing that. I'm pulling a, an idea from this, the fear of termination. We probably should put a panel together. Probably, yeah. To just get shop owners on that have experienced, you know, these cold sweats and, and sleepless nights because of this. And then once they have gotten through, sometimes you never even learn from them and you can't pull from your previous experience. But yeah, I, in my mind, if you were cold hearted and you didn't give a crap and you, you didn't worry about that stuff, you were probably not a good leader for the entire company. But if, you know, if you've, if you've got the heart, the character and the passion and you fear a termination and basically it's your fault because it should have happened earlier, you're really doing right for your company and your people. I said this the other day. I said, we could probably solve the technician shortage pretty quickly. If everybody went through their shop and got rid of the one employee that they knew that they didn't, couldn't get along with, wasn't productive and whatever, let that person back out into the stream and make the rest of their staff more productive. If every shop in the United States did that, then then we'd have this big mass movement of technicians and everything and they could find the right hole for their peg maybe. Also, I had a I had a, a shop owner called BS on, on my whole theory about um, making it out to be worse. He's like wringing his hand, like we're on a Zoom and I can see him. He's wringing his hands. He's like, well, I might let this person go on Friday. He goes, maybe next week. He goes, maybe tomorrow. And I'm like, what you need to do is as soon as we get done with this, pull them in. You've got everything laid out. Just let them go. And he goes, well, I tell you what, let's just do it on this Zoom call. I'm like, let's do it. And so he brought the employee in and let the employee go while I was on the Zoom call with him, videoed the whole thing. It was amazing. But we got done. The employee was the employee was shocked, but not too shocked. I mean, you know, we've been documenting the things that have been going wrong. And then afterwards, he was like, whew. Well, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I was like, it never is. Great story. I love that. And, you know, that's kind of, if you will, like you say, call him BS. Yeah. I mean, that's what we do, right? Like we put our accountability hat on every morning and go to work. So you got a hundred episodes under your belt. You got another hundred to do, right? Your ear to the ground. Where do you continue to come up with these great ideas and these great storylines? Tracy loves Kimberly. A lot of them come from Kimberly. Like she listens to me download at the end of the day a little bit. And she's like, well, you should do a podcast about that. Or we'll be driving in the car. And she's like, oh, you should do a podcast about that. Or a lot of the time I'll be sitting talking to a client and we'll have a coaching session around a topic. And I'm like, you know what? I need to put this out into the world so that other people can go and listen to it. The the other thing I think is that's great about the aftermarket radio network and remarkable results. If a shop owner wanted to change what they're doing and do it completely for free, 
they could. Like the big thing goes back to the accountability piece. Like you have to have somebody, some people have to have somebody punching you in the throat all day, every day to get their point across. But if you were a shop owner and you wanted to, you could go back seriously and learn everything that we all talk about and pick it up and do it yourself. You know, it's almost like you were laying uh, right into my lap on that. Uh (laughs) You don't even know. Going to seminars, you know, between interviews while we're out there, I love to go in your teachings, you know, everyone that I know is out there teaching. And I love to go in and spend like 15 minutes in a class, pull an idea, shake some hands, see some people, look at the, you know, how many people are attending. And I get on the airplane and I come home and I say, wow, I mean, this stuff is so good. I hope people are doing something with the information they're taking away and that they really can follow up and follow through on what they need to do to continue to reinvent their business. And when I look at the, and thank you so much for the high fives for Remarkable Results Radio, go on, search search bar, type in something, go to the tag cloud. And I started to think, wow, if there's a coach teaching a seminar on business culture and he's sitting in there saying, oh, I wish I had my lead guy, the store manager there, my GM my wife, my son, my daughter. I started to think about the hundreds of episodes that we've done and how many deal with culture, how many deal with succession planning, how many deal with labor rates, multi-shop operations, and so on. So I decided to pull a whole bunch together, Chris. And to your point, this isn't DIY coaching at any phase. What it is, is it's for the leadership to go to a page that I created on the website called Classroom. And on that page called Classroom, I have got like 21 segments, and each of those segments have like four episodes inside of it. So if we sat down with our leadership team and says, hey, we got to do something about our labor rate, there's these eight episodes, they're on the Classroom page on Carm saying, let's go do this. We're all going to, within the next three or four weeks, listen to these, take some notes, come back, let's talk about it, and let's make these moves. Let's take the advice from other coaches, from other shop owners that have done this in the past, the, the real good teachings that we have. And so thank you for that motivation of being able to reach out and tell people about Classroom that exists on my site. So I'm going to coin something else. I'll help you got your napkin and your thing ready. In sometime during COVID, I think we were doing a, an episode and you and I, I think I said, we will never live in a pre-COVID world again. Like, like COVID has changed us all forever. As we're talking, I'm thinking about my shop back in the day. You know, this is like internet, very beginnings, Facebook, all that websites early. I didn't have this resource when I was a shop owner. You had to pay for coaching. I think we're, we're, we will never live in a world that's pre-CARM again. <laughs> uh, thank you for that. That puts a smile on my face. I think it's amazing. I, I'm pissed off that I didn't have the resource when I was a shop owner, right? Because I spent a lot of money with coaching companies. I might have been able to do um, on my own. But the fact is, is there wasn't anything like this out there at all. If you were going to do that, you had to go to somebody's webinar, somebody's in-person training event or hire coaching. It just didn't exist. Chris, I so believe in coaching. I so believe in what you do and the hundreds of other coaches in our industry. In fact, if every if every shop owner could think about their success, the rate of success that they've had and the resources, they would put the coaches way up top. Well, look, I interview coaches all the time, the coaches lab. And I mean, 
A lot of the times we get together with other shop owners, there's a coach on there to help put, you know, insights and stability to the discussion. Well, there are a certain amount of people that just will not do a coach and maybe they will do classroom. But there are many. They want the coach. They want the classroom. They want, you know, hey, I didn't send my guy to Chris's class the last time, but maybe he can catch up by listening to some of these episodes. I look at what we do in the Aftermarket Radio Network, Remarkable Results Radio, as an attachment. It's an arm. It's, you know, the coach is this arm and, you know, we're that arm and there's a couple of legs carrying you forward. It's amazing. Like just the resources just is absolutely amazing. And so you've kind of taken the podcast away from me, Carm. So I want to flip it back on you just a little bit. But I've started like I'm just getting into trying to uh, interview people. And we've skipped my three questions that I want to ask every interviewee. So I'm going to go back and pick up my three questions right now. One, I'm pretty sure I know this one. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Orchard Park, New York. Orchard Park, New York. Orchard okay. Park, New York. Yeah. Well, I will say your bills. I don't know about your quarterback. I was disappointed in him yesterday, just from a, a manly standing up kind of thing. You throw an interception, you go to the sideline, you get over it. But there's no need starting kerfuffles. But anyway. Okay. All right. He had a bad game. Unfortunately, everyone thought it was going to be a blowout and it wasn't. All right. It wasn't. But anyway, so you pulled that one out. So, okay. So Orchard Park, New York. Who was your favorite superhero as a child? Oh, wow. My grandfather. Really? Yeah. Was he like first generation American? He came over from Italy. Okay. As a very young man. So did my grandma Capriato. My grandparents did. And uh, Grandpa John was an entrepreneur. Now, wait a minute. Was that his real name? Was that his Italian name was John? No, his his real name was Serafino John. Serafino Capriato. Capriato. Okay. And because of the whole really tough Serafino name, everyone called him John. So hats off to Serafino for bringing the Capriato family here. And so he was an entrepreneur, but what did he do? Oh, God. Uh, The family was into ice back in the day, right? Ice boxes, fuel oil, coal, service shop, gas station, grocery store, excavation, ultimately hardware store. And then automotive parts. Yeah. I mean, it was wow. It was an incredible evolution. And Grandpa was one of those guys who had to build it himself only because, you know, okay, we got to build a building. Well, my buddy up the street is a bricklayer and this guy can dig a channel and we'll put a footing in and we'll put a building up. Grandpa taught me how to thread pipe, how to walk on roof sanctions, how to go in a hole and hold a transit, how to drive a tractor and a bulldozer and a high lift. When I was just a young nine to 13 year old, and he's the guy I hung with because my dad was out working, you know, those 12 hour days growing the business. So I spent a lot of time with my grandpa when I was younger and his name was John, actually, Grandpa Cotton, John Arthur Cotton. And uh, he was a heavy equipment operator. So I spent a lot of time with bulldozers and things like that. But people, people forget, like I just turned 50. So when I was a kid, we didn't have bottled water. So at four years old, when you went to work with Grandpa Cotton, he left with like two thermoses of straight black coffee and a case of Coors beer. And if you wanted anything to drink during the day, it was one or the other. And I didn't start drinking coffee till I was in my late 30s, early 40s. So people would see this four or five-year-old boy walking around with a Coors 
gold banquet beer in their hand, but that's that's all we had. Like if you didn't want to die of dehydration, that's what you got back in the day. Can I tell my greatest grandpa John story? Yeah, absolutely. I've never told this ever on a podcast. You're motivating me to. This is the tough questions. Carm, if I can't make you cry by the end of this episode, I've not done my job, sir. I may do that right now. He taught me how to drive just about every piece of equipment that they had in their fleet. And we were getting ready to build a brand new building and he needed to take a tree down. So he took it down. It was this wishbone style tree log. We had 26 acres of property, so I had to drag it to the back and dump this in the pit with the tractor, the blade of the back tractor. You had to back it up and push it into this pit, if you will. And I was, and I did. And um, believe it or not, this wishbone tree branch, which was huge, by the way, I'm going to guess that each limb was at least a foot, maybe 14 inches. It snapped from the blade of the tractor, flew up into the air and landed one inch away from my head on my shoulder. It broke my arm at the ball socket, my right arm. I was in all kinds of excruciating pain. Seventh grade, mind you, I can't quite remember how old I would have been then. I don't know where the seventh graders' ages. I can't remember now. 12, 13, something like that. I climb under the tractor, under the tree, and I come out, and I am tearing. It, I'm in so much pain. We had to walk from this 26-acre parcel over to Grandma's house. I'm walking, and he looks down at me, and he says, could you do me a favor? Don't cry. Because I know it, it was he was so upset. Right. Amazing. What he did almost killed me. Of course, we get up to Grandma's house, and if I really was crying heavy, I think it was all because he didn't want Grandma's reaction to be so bad if I wasn't crying. Right? There was a couple of things. He personally didn't want in his heart to see me cry, and he also knew that if I was, Grandma would <laughs> probably have taken the Boston. In Italian, we called it the Boston. And so anyway, uh, yeah, I was I was out of commission for a year back then, the, the way the cast was and, and everything. So it's one of those most vivid memories of hanging with my, my grandpa and all the stuff that he ever taught me. And uh, But still, I can cry at chick flicks. <laughs> there you go. That's amazing. And so what was, real quick, before we move to the next one, what was uh, Grandma Capriato's name? Rose. Rose. And that was that her real name or just what? That was her real name. Her real name. Yeah. I love hearing um, the older names. And I think it's just a shame that people got to Ellis Island. They're like, oh, you look like a Chuck to me. And like, oh, there you are, Chuck. But so the last of my three questions, Carm, is what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a DJ. A DJ. On the radio. DJ Capriato. On the radio. Okay. What kind of music? Uh, rock and roll. Yeah. Classic rock, rock and roll, yeah. And what happened? So I get to college. There's a radio station in college. There's a fraternity in college. There's all these things. There's girls in college. And I said, wow, this is really cool. So I go to the radio station. I did a tryout, and I got a radio show. It was like two hours, you know, in a time slot per week. And I uh, got my FCC license and the whole thing. And by my senior year, I was the morning radio DJ. I loved it. I come out of college and I got drafted. So anybody can try to figure out about when that was. Uh, I was in the last draft. And instead of going to work in the family business, I told my dad, I am going to DJ at a nightclub for the summer. I'm not coming to work for you. And I did. I found myself a gig doing that. Got drafted, come back, uh, got married and everything. No, I, I didn't get married at all. And I was doing clubs I was not only working in the family business, I was in the National Guard, by the way, and I was also 
uh, DJing at clubs all over Buffalo. And so my buddy who's on radio full time in Buffalo, he says, hey, there's an opening at the station for a weekend. And so I submitted an air check and I got the gig. And so I realized, though, that if I really wanted to continue to be on radio full time, I had to be a nomad. I had to move. I was married while I was on the radio gig. Somewhere in that, I'm trying to remember, I can't remember the exact timeline. I had to go from city to city to city to continue to earn more money, build ratings and stuff. And that wasn't really what I wanted to do. A DJ and uh, weddings and clubs and the whole thing. So, yeah, look at I'm behind a microphone right now. So what I'm hearing you say is there's a good possibility, Tracy, we got to find this, that there's a poster somewhere around Greater Buffalo of you in your bell bottoms and your shirt and whatever this weekend only at the the whatever wedding, uh, DJ Capriato. I know I can find exactly a, you know, you know how they, they give you the top 40 songs of the week? Be at all the record stores, you know, the little pamphlet from the radio station, and there's a DJ's picture on the cover of them? Well, I have one with with my radio name and my picture back then. Oh, so what was the radio name? Gary Hamilton. Gary Hamilton. That's a whole nother episode. Why Gary Hamilton? <laughs> and let's not go into that because we're kind of long toothed into this thing. But look at maybe the audience. The audience wants us to have let us know. And I'll tell the rest of the story on how that happened. No, that sounds great. Any other update with the Aftermarket Radio Network or anything that you want to share or anything else for you that's coming up that you want to want to share before we get off the air? Well, Chris, just for the normal podcast that we do, uh, Town Hall Academy Aftermarket Weekly and Remarkable Results, we're always looking for great storylines, our ears to the ground. We participate in so many networking groups that are going on in the country, and we know so many people. And every time I hear a cool, great story, I want to get it shared because I know there's out there's people out there that can relate to it. We're constantly looking for that. Anyone knows how to contact me, social media, uh, my email. All the email, uh, you know, the emails that we put out, very easy to get to us. And for the Aftermarket Radio Network, yeah, we're, we're being approached by a lot of people that would love to join the network. And so we have opportunities to add uh, peoples and shows that fit with our niche of advancing the aftermarket. You know, and there's there's so many really, I think, unique topics that we can get some really cool experts to uh to talk about. Always. And there are always new and upcoming people coming in the industry. Hey, Carm, thanks so much for being my number 100. And um, no matter how, sometimes I probably am like, how in the hell did I get here? Thank you for giving me that kick and pushing me over the edge. Just like a coach, you pushed me off the ledge and here we are and watch me soar. So again, thank you so much. And what a great episode. Some good stuff in there. Very proud of your efforts and your work. Thank you for being on with us, man. All right. Thanks. This has been Coach Chris Cotton from AutoFix Auto Shop Coaching reminding you it never always gets worse, but sometimes it has to get worse to get better. Remember, don't stop working today because tomorrow needs you. Please feel free to reach out to me, Chris, at AutoFixSOS.com or give me a call, 940-400-1008. Have a great day, everybody, and remember to rise and grind. You've been listening to The Weekly Blitz with Coach Chris Cotton on the AftermarketRadioNetwork.com. Follow Chris on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Chris is all for advancing the aftermarket.